This is the A-B Testing 343 Podcast, a podcast where we ask one of the three listeners of the A-B Testing Podcast three questions about almost anything. ABT 343 is a fun slice of what's going on in the world of modern testing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, it's been a long time. We're back for an ABT 343 where we ask one of our three podcast listeners three questions about themselves. And today we have the, I think, world-renowned, but we'll we'll let him speak to that. But we have Danny Fott here. Hey, Danny. Welcome. Hi there. I think the world has mostly forgotten about me, but uh, uh, thanks for that, that shout-out. I, I, I do not think so. I do not think so. Uh, I have some questions for you, but I want to establish some context first. Well, actually, first, even before I get to the context question, the pre-pre-question is, how are you doing? How are you surviving the work from home and the pandemic and all of those things? I am doing great. Uh, I love working from home. I've done it full-time before, and I'm doing it you know, practically full-time right now. Uh, I'm doing great. And I, and I can't really... I feel bad saying that because some people aren't doing great. So uh, I, I just got a promotion at work. I'm doing better there than I ever have before. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. I, for, for all those people who are looking for a job, you know, I, I feel for you. I'm sorry. Uh, so I can't feel too good about my successes, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I am doing uh, great, except for, you know, worried about staying alive and my friends and family, you know, staying alive and healthy. It sounds like we're in a lot of the same boat. And I have to remind myself, and, and I don't have to anymore, but uh, I just remember, that's what I meant to say. I remember that I am in a very privileged position right now where I can work full-time from home. Our company, my part of the company especially, is doing well, better than expected because people are home playing games. And uh, I'm just in a very fortunate position, so I'm thankful for that and Again, job going well here and trying to stay alive. So what is it, just for some context, here's the actual pre-question. What do you do? What kind of, what, what's, give, give, us, give me and the listeners some context on what's your day-to-day like or, or however you want to describe it. Well, first, I want to mention uh, in terms of privilege, uh, I am an old white man. And what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Someone else could be here uh, increasing our diversity. I, so I, I feel I, a little I bad do, about that. And I, and I am proud that we've had some good diversity on ABT343. But every once in a while, we do have an old white man on. So, so yes. For, okay. I, well, I, there, I've been very careful to, to make sure we aren't <laughs> exclusively old white men. Okay, good. If there's anything I can do to, to bring people up, then uh, I am all ears. I'm trying to figure out how to do that exactly. Uh, so what uh, what do I do? Uh, and it's, uh, I think thanks to you, really, and, uh, and Brent, uh, I, my title that I give myself on LinkedIn is uh, I'm a software generalist. I do whatever needs to be done, whatever people are willing to pay for, basically. So, I try to do those unique things that no one else is doing uh, or is willing to do or knows how to do. So, that's the snarky answer. What do I do day to day? Uh, Just in the last month or so, uh, I'm a a developer. Uh, Senior developer, I guess, was my title. Recently changed to squad lead. So, uh, I'm also kind of uh, helping workflow through uh, a squad right now. 
So, uh, and this is a DevOpsy kind of team. So we do all kinds of different things, so many different things that I can't even learn how all these tools work that we have to do both to develop features and uh, get them tested, uh, get them out the door and ask ourselves, are they working or not? Just uh, so many different tools. How can I possibly learn how they all work and how to fix them when they break in production? (laughs) So it's different every day. Yeah, the trick I've found is you don't have to know how all the tools work. You have to be willing to learn how they all work when needed. Yeah, I'm I'm very willing, but for the first time, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Uh, I'm willing to learn one or two new tools, but this is this is uh, a lot of new tools, and they're changing constantly. Some of it is cost cutting, as many companies are reducing their costs. I mean, we were doing this before the pandemic, and before our our customer base dropped by a very frightening percentage. But you know, certainly even more so now. So that means the tool we just sort of learned. Well, now it's a different cheaper tool. <laughs> so it, it, it is a bit, even for me, and I welcome change and new things, it's, even for me, it's getting a bit overwhelming. Yeah. As you know, I run a DevOps teams for my organization at Unity, and we have had a few of those come our way too. And they usually involve a migration that my team has to run. And man, are we tired of migrating stuff. So I think we finally have the big, the big one behind us. So we're, we're pretty happy about that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the yeah, the migrations are part of that from one part of the cloud to another part of the cloud, because the first place we want wasn't really the right place. And now it needs to be this other place. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, we did yeah, one a while back, which, which was moving. Well, we, well, I don't have to be abstract. We changed cloud providers. We moved from AWS to GCP. Google gave us a good deal, I guess. I don't know. We just did it. Cool. We talk about generalists, Brent and I do, and I always call myself a specializing generalist or a generalizing specialist. I forget which one. I go back and forth. And I know you have a background like I do being a testing specialist. So I'm curious, what do you miss about being a testing specialist? And yeah, what do you miss about being a testing specialist? What do I miss about being a testing specialist? Uh, Well, uh, I guess a couple of things. Um... I miss breaking things on a daily basis. I still get to do some of that because um, you know we are our own QA, and uh, occasionally I get to bring up a load test tool where you know that's where you can really break something, uh, and so that's always fun. Um, I miss the community. I mean, it's still there. Uh, most of the people I follow on Twitter are still overwhelmingly in the, the testing QA community. Uh, I'm slowly trying to expand my network more in the, the development area. Uh, and I'm finding that uh, I, I don't think there is a, quite that tight-knit community. There might be around a particular technology, but... Um, you know, just a general community of practice uh, out there in the world. I'm still trying to find some of those to support what I'm doing right now. So I, I do miss how tight-knit that testing community has uh, has always been, really. But in terms of being a tester, um, I, I can't say I really miss that very much. Uh, you know, besides the fact that breaking things is great, um, I'm, I'm doing okay with what's going on right now. And the fact that when I ran that load test, I, I saw this null pointer exception. I didn't file a bug report. I just fixed it and committed the code. So that's, that's something I like more about what I'm doing now is I don't have these artificial boundaries on what I can and can't work on. 
Yeah, that's good. That it's just tightening up the feedback loop. I think I heard this discussion. It was a while ago, maybe years ago, that probably on Twitter because I think we follow a lot of the same people. And someone was talking about like why isn't there? I guess you could say Stack Overflow is a developer community, but it's it's huge and and it's not really a community. Yeah, I blogged about how that's difficult to get into and and to get the reputation to be even allowed to post the kinds of things you want to post. Yeah, it's funny. I have an ever-growing score on Stack Overflow and even a few of the other similar sites from questions I answered years ago. I probably haven't answered a question anywhere on any of the Overflow sites in as long as I can remember. But every, but every once in a while I go back, I see, oh, my score went up by 100 points. Let me see why. And just more upvotes on the same you know, 20 questions I probably answered in my life. Wow. Yeah. They stay around a long time, don't they? They do. And I do. I, I can't say after I blogged about that, about how it's just really, I just gave up on trying to get into that community. Uh, there was this big announcement from Stack Overflow that they were making changes to make it easier. And, you know, it's probably because of me. I'm pretty sure. Don't you think? <laughs> Could be, could be. I'm not that world-renowned, but it, it's I, I will, fun. To I, will add, I will add it to your Wikipedia entry as, as an accomplishment. <laughs> so it can be deleted a few weeks later as soon as anyone <laughs> finds it. Yeah, I've been through that. Not, not my own, but others that I've added. Yeah, I went through uh, tangents because they're allowed anywhere where this related to ABT. Uh, I went through, you might have seen this a while ago. I kind of changed gears on this, but went through an effort to try and clean up the software testing Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah. I joined in that effort. And did a little bit of work there. And I think Noah uh, had a good suggestion what to do with that. Just Let's just let's just define... Let's have a software, uh, software. Let's have a Wikipedia page on agile testing. And maybe we can actually get use that as a place to talk about the way most of us are doing testing and leave the software testing page to those folks. But that page is... The software testing page is... A lot of changes get rejected. And yeah, I learned, but we've made I, friends with the main rejector. And so, you know, you, you engage did. with the people you're arguing with in, yes. rather than, than yep. waging war. I and mean, we even got him to join our Slack channel. Yep. Which is now pretty much dead because I haven't paid attention to it. And that's fine because I'm okay with where it's at. I made some changes that really bugged me. And um, yeah, I haven't checked it out in a while. Anyway, back on track. So... You and I have both, although I left test and then kind of fell back into it when I first joined Unity and then fell back away from it. But uh, so you're a successful developer now, a successful generalist developer, which in my opinion makes the best developer. Do you wish you would have moved there sooner? Do you wish you would have moved out of testing and into development sooner in your career? I actually do. Uh, I think I have limited myself by identifying so strongly as a tester. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this at the online test conference at the presentation I gave there. Uh, I mean, that was just really, that was, that was who I was. I break things and I'm an underdog. You know, QA people don't get respect, but that's who I am. And I just latched onto that for, for way too long, really. I mean, when my consulting business, I was an independent consultant for several years, when that was faltering, it didn't even really occur to me, maybe I should uh, apply for development jobs or, or get some, some programming contracts. I'd been a programmer uh, since before I was a tester. 
but I don't know why. I just I was just so locked into that identity as a tester that I couldn't get out of that box. And I, I wish I had. My consulting business might still be alive if I've done that. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's so many more opportunities if your title is developer that uh, I really have stunted my growth. I'm having great fun now. I'm the old guy, and where I work, I'm very glad they don't, uh, they don't really seem to discriminate based on being the guy with uh, gray hairs in his beard, um, which is great. But, man, if it had been 10 years ago, um, that would be so much more I could grow from there. You know, Brent moved away from QA before I did, I think, at Microsoft. And I'm sure he would make the same claim. And there are some things, I think he'd probably make the same claim as well, that some things around systems thinking I could never have got from without being a tester, without seeing the big picture and understanding how pieces work together, uh, understanding how software is delivered and then basically, I think it helped you become the generalist you are today is what I would say. I want to also dig in on one thing you said, because it, it struck a, a nerve or a memory, because we do see today, uh, because times are changing, more and more companies are using fewer test specialists, and there are people who cling to that test role. It's their identity. And I'm just curious if you have a message for those people. Oh, goodness. I mean, I, I could just be, um, I, could, I could do the hard sell and barely be a butthead. And I could say test is dead. And that was kind of my message at the, the online test conference is, you know, get out while you can. And that, that is kind of my, my message is uh, get out, get out while you can. But the fact is, a lot of people are still uh, gainfully employed as testers. There are people getting jobs uh, as testers for the first time. And, you know, they're probably going to be okay. Just uh, fewer of them are going to be okay than before. I can't analyze what those numbers are going to be. So my personal choice in terms of career opportunity was to, to broaden it. And I still recommend to people that they, they take a broader outlook than being a testing specialist. Uh, but also, I've worked on trying to train QA people uh, to pick up development skills. I have been successful in that once. I'm very proud of that. That person is still working here. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have a good count on how many of them uh, didn't make that transition. There are some that made it to, to other roles. But um, I, I would say a pretty big majority of, of testing specialists are not programmers already and don't want to be programmers. And if it's not a job that they would enjoy... It doesn't really make much sense to try to do it. Yeah, I forgot I, what the question was. Actually, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We, we, we can we can uh, go here for a while because while you were talking about being a generalist and testers and testing, I think what I would encourage a tester to do, based on what you said and my my uh, interpretation of it, is be more of a generalist. Don't be a testing specialist. Have a test specialty, but be a generalist. It doesn't have to be programming. I think of all the other things that go on in the DevOps world, which may require some configuration files that may look like code, but there's so much technical work. And I'm not getting into the whole technical versus non-technical. That's a, that's a rat hole, not for today, uh, because all of our work is technical. Anyway, there's hooking up static analysis tools, adding uh, a tool to a CI system, all these things help out a lot with quality. 
but they're not testing. One thing, I was curious if you think about this, I think one thing I would encourage testers to do is be a tester, be the testing specialist. If that's your identity, I'm not, I don't want to take that away from you, but I think you are going to be, you're going to guarantee a better career, I think, and maybe have some more fun if you try and generalize a little more as well. What do you think about that advice that I just made up on the spot? Yeah, that's great. And I can tell a story about that because uh, I actually, earlier on, I I went away from testing when my consulting business uh, dried up. And I got a call from a recruiter who said, hey, do you want to work in, in doing uh, technical support, basically? And I said, no, I'm a tester. And then I looked at my finances and I called him back and said, yes, yes, I do. Uh, so I, so I, I did that and I did uh, for a while and uh, for, for reasons, I left that several years later and went straight back to testing because that's what was easy to do. Uh, did that at a, a couple of those lasted like uh, three different jobs, lasted about a year and, and for various reasons uh, needed to move on to, uh, to something else. And then uh, my, the, the place I'm at right now, there was an opening as a QA analyst. I've never had that job title before my whole career. It's always been, uh, you know, some sort of engineer. Uh, but, you know, I swallowed my pride. I really like the company. And I said, all right, I'll be a QA analyst. It's, it's contract. So, you know, whatever, let's give it a try. And for one, I was surprised they hired me. Uh, no one said overqualified or anything like that. They just said, sure, yeah, you're qualified. Do the job. And uh, I started talking to some of the developers on the team uh, because, uh, you know, this was, I guess you would call it combined engineer. I don't know what the Microsoft term is. The Microsoft uh, term was combined engineering. Okay. Brent and I preferred unified. It's like oil and vinegar versus ranch dressing. It's, it's the way that you do things uh, if you have testing specialists. That's kind of the way mm -hmm. I look at it. I didn't even really think it was weird that I wasn't on a separate testing team. We, we were on a team, a couple of testers, a couple of developers. Yeah, it was just, uh, just made sense. But uh, in any case, I started talking to some of the developers. I said, hey, you know, I, uh, I think I see a security vulnerability here. And uh, let me show you how to set up a debug proxy, modify... Uh, the the output that's coming and oh look you know here's here's this issue here and do you want me to dig into it further and uh, it turns out one of those guys was uh, pretty in influential in the organization and uh, you know before long I got this offer said hey you need to do something uh, like like at least like test automation or something else and so I was able to move up from that pretty quickly so um, you know I think that kind of fits in with what you're saying I was in a testing specialist role. And, uh, but I had other skills and I found places to use them. And without me even trying, that led to something else. Now, I don't recommend the testing specialist to test automation specialist path. And I think you've mentioned that several times before. Uh, and by the way, at my company, not only do we not have QA people anywhere in my organization, we don't have automation specialists either. So that was also a bit of a dead end. So, yeah, definitely if, if what you're doing is mostly testing, um, you don't have to change your job title to expand your skills and use some of those skills. Yeah, the titles really don't mean anything. It's about being willing and eager to try different things and try to help in different ways. And and just that attitude for me of always learning. You know, we talked to, to Marit on the, the AB Testing podcast a few weeks ago, and... 
she came across and I, I described her as being addicted to learning. And I think oh, that's yeah. something a any generalist, uh, actually any knowledge worker should also embrace because that's going to keep you, well, one, employed, but more importantly, going to keep you engaged and keep you having fun. I mean, talk about privilege. Not only are we still able to make money during this pandemic and pay our bills, but we get to do something we like. It's oh, fun yeah. well, to first, do. I have to follow merit. That's not fair. That's like the best one you've done. I can't. I can't follow that. <laughs> no, th- th- there'll be an A/B testing after that. Brett and I did a uh, uh, a recording this morning, and by the way, our first ever live stream. We decided right at eight o'clock when we recorded that I was going to live stream it. So I was wondering why people were commenting on that. I, I, I missed <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> but in terms of learning, yeah, I was I was thinking about what am I learning right now, and uh, goodness. Uh, I've I've started a a, a couple of uh, tracks at work. They're very big on on learning. Uh, you know, I just spent uh, basically every Friday afternoon is learning. Don't work on any user stories uh, unless that helps you learning. That's our mandate to our whole organization, and I love it. That's nice. So uh, I'm using that to uh, improve some of my programming skills while also uh, pushing forward a a a. a, a, a technology initiative that the whole company is going to be able to benefit from. But uh, I also just a few days ago started a music theory course on that same platform that the company sponsors. But, you know, in my own time, um, I'm on a oh, more than 310 day streak on Duolingo, learning mostly oh, French, wow. but not entirely. <laughs> Uh, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on that. I just, uh, I don't know, I made a habit. And, and that once I make a habit, it, it tends to stick. And I'm sure I'm missing something else. Yeah, I had like a, a 50 day streak on Duolingo a while back, and then I then I I missed a day and I never went back. I feel really ah, bad now. Ah, too bad. <laughs> it's not too late to start another streak. I know with a different language, <laughs> a different language every time. Yeah, I've tried four or five. Yeah, I had to tell an employee just this week. So about this Learning Friday, I had to tell him it's okay to read this book I asked you to read during the work day and count it as work. It's like, really? I said, yeah. You can even see, you don't have to sit at your desk. You can sit on your couch and read this book. I want I want to discuss it with you and et cetera, et cetera. I says, okay, I can do that. That's weird. I said, no, it's not weird. This is, this is, this is life. Sit on your couch, read the book. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that it's weird. But yeah, I used to find uh, little out-of-the-way corners away from my work area back when I worked in a, an office with other people. Uh, I would go hide, and, and so I could read without being interrupted. And then the team made a game out of it. I found you that time. Well, fine, but you just keep on walking because I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> Speaking of books, I hear a rumor that you're writing a biography. Tell yeah, yeah. me about that. It, it might become what you would call a biography, I suppose. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, a friend of mine, Jerry Weinberg, we, it started on a, a tweet of his that piqued my interest in basically computer history. Uh, you know, political history, the kind that you have to do in school and get a grade on, uh, not, not super interesting, but computer history, oh my goodness, and history of other interesting things. That, that's really cool stuff. So I got to talking about that and I said, hey, Jerry, why don't you write a book? Because you were there like 
the first computer that was ever delivered to San Francisco, as far as we can tell. He was the first person to get his hands on it and figure out how to program it. Uh, and that's just amazing. And uh, it turns out I wasn't the first person to say, hey, Jerry, you should write a book. And uh, I didn't know at the time, but this was his pat answer. Uh, and the answer was, no, you should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> because how could he write all the books that everyone says he should? He's, uh, he, he already wrote like 40 plus books. Uh, yeah. Give the guy a break, right? <laughs> Uh, and, and I have somehow, about probably 20 of them over my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And so few people know about Jerry Weinberg and, the, you know, the psychology of computer programming and secrets of consulting and are your lights on so much good stuff. In fact, one of secrets of consulting, because my, my organization, in addition to DevOps, a lot of folks that work across the org, but it's one of the four or five books I'll show you. They won't see it, but it's always on my always on my table because I just I show people and say, "Read this book." Oh yeah, good stuff. He, he told me that that should. Oh, actually, it was the more secrets of consulting should have been the book that went with. Uh, I think it's the chain shop workshop, but it was still new at the time, and and he hadn't switched over. But man, that that's to get get the blue book too. The the second secrets of consulting it, book. It's on the bookshelf. Awesome. So our discussion, it kind of morphed and, and I realized, you know, this, um, this might be more interesting. So many history books have been written already about computers specifically, even. Uh, let's just make this a biography. And he said, yeah, if you write it, I will answer your questions one at a time and I'd be glad to contribute. So uh, that's how that got kicked off. And, and I've got hundreds of pages of emails between Jerry and me at this point. By the way, he was so rude as to die in the middle of this project. Um, dang it. <laughs> but, uh, so now I'm continuing on by talking to people who knew him and uh, can give me more information uh, about him. And I'm, I'm still filling up uh, another uh, hundreds of pages document uh, that somehow I have to wrangle into uh, some book chapters. Right now, it's really just a blog post. And um, I'm hoping this is going to spur me to get one out. I've been working on one for more than a year now, the next installment. I'm getting really, uh, really close on it. I've just been a little stuck and, and I've read several books in the process once I realized uh, that I'm really getting into the computer history part here. That was really why I got started on this. And I want to get, I think I've got an angle on it that hasn't really been published before about this crucial transition point between well, you know what? Just just come to my blog and bug me about why I haven't posted it yet, and then you'll find out. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll leave you a cliffhanger there. <laughs> I am. Uh, that's uh, so exciting. I'm so happy you're doing that. I'm talking about. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the order. Some. I need to select the chronological order. Uh, the all of Jerry's books came out in, but I know you probably have more than I do. But I have a copy of Humanized Input, which is. Uh, it's like typewritten the printing is like it's a super cheap publication but i know that was pretty early on but it's still really valuable he had a way of writing information that, that it just it's amazing how applicable it remains it's all about it and again it goes back to systems thinking it's all about trying to figure out what the real problem is and solving that yeah yeah absolutely um, I think I have every one of his books, at least one edition of every single one. And a bibli bibliography where I'm trying to just list all of them. And that 
is a challenge because he's republished some. He split them into several ebooks. <laughs> is this the same book as that? And some of his books don't have an ISBN or even a publication year. Come on, how long have how long have you been an author? You got give me something to go with here so I can identify what this thing is in a bibliography. So it, it it's been a challenge. Uh, but yeah, I think I've been able to acquire every single one. And I got started on that when I was researching the triangle problem that everyone thinks Glenn Myers first wrote about. But Jerry told me that, no, I taught that to Glenn. And it's in a book I can prove that I published it first. And I found this book, I think it might have been PL1 or somewhere around that era. And I... I I got this search going at a used bookstore, and sure enough, I got a hit on it, and I bought the book, and there it is, The Triangle Problem, before Glenn Myers wrote about it. Wow. And I feel like I've heard that. Did you blog that story? I'm or, sure I did somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I recall hearing about that once a while back. It, it tickles a memory, which could just be my memory playing tricks on me, but I feel like I had heard that. Maybe I am world-renowned if Alan Page has read one of my blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read way too much. You can know from my Five for Fridays that I post, I, I, read, I read a lot of stuff. Sometimes I skim some stuff. There's usually a half dozen or a dozen articles a week where I really spend time on. And they, you know, I believe that good ideas come from getting a lot of ideas and throwing the bad ones away. And also that good ideas come from other, other ideas meeting so I will read, it could be articles around science or data analysis of COVID or software engineering or testing or systems thinking or management or leadership. I'm always looking for ideas and, not, and also for the critical thinking aspect, things I disagree with so I can think about why I disagree with them. And so it helps me understand then from, if I don't disagree with an article, understand what's important to me, or at least understand why I don't like it. And I could do a big soapbox on that, but I read cool. a lot because it, I like merit. I like to consider myself addicted to learning. I want to get, I'm not nearly at her level of attacking learning, but I, I, I want to take advantage of a brain that still works as long as I can. Awesome. Yeah. And what I'm doing right this second is part of that learning is volunteer to do something. I don't know. I don't know what I got to what I can present for that, but I just sign up for it. Now I'm committed and that gets the gears turning. And it, and it took a while to figure out what do I want to talk to Alan about? I know I've been wanting to talk to Alan for a long time, but you know, that's having that deadline. It's on the calendar. You got to talk to Alan about something and you know, you're bugging me about what, what's the agenda. Uh, that's, Typical of what I do, like I'll sign up to speak about something at a conference, and it's not something I have no idea about, but but probably not something I know enough to really talk about. And that's what spurs me to go learn it. <laughs> it's a challenge to go learn it. That is a fantastic attitude. And we managed to uh, fill up an ABT three four three with I think some information the listeners are really going to appreciate, especially the the biography work you talked about. That's a, that's that's going to cause a buzz. I think. Cool. Yeah. Let me know what you think about it. Tell me which parts you don't like, please. Uh, how can I improve on it? Because it's still very much a work in progress. I'll grab some more information after I say goodbye here, but let's say goodbye to our listeners. Thank you for spending some time with me and answering some questions and hope to hear from you more on one of the three dot slack.com. And I will be following your blog closely. So thanks, Danny. 
Thanks. Goodbye to all two of you. I'm one, so there's only two others listening. It's only two others. They'll enjoy it, though, I promise. Cool.